Hello, everybody out there. Um, this is the launch of a audio podcast called These Present Days, which is going to turn into a video podcast uh, very soon. But we're going to start off with the audio. And so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for truth. That we live in a day when Jesus, your son, said there's going to be deceivers deceiving many. And even if possible, the elect will be deceived. And Lord God, we thank you for helping us to stay out of deception, not fall under the power of any lies from the enemy, because he's the father of it. And I thank you, Lord God, for giving us ears to hear and eyes that are open to see and hearts that are filling up with understanding for the way that we should live in the days that we happen to be, these present days. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And so what this is kind of about is kind of take off of the headlines of like cumulatively from over like a month period of time and things that people have a buzz about that uh, are making headlines, you know, what they call clickbait, you know, to where people are clicking on the articles and they have all these things going wrong. And, and we, we know, we know that these past three years, well, it's going into the third year now, have been a circus, a three-ring Barnum and Bailey circus. And so I'm just going to title this under the heading of these present days, Variants, Mandates, and the Future. Let's dive into it. We're going to read from the International Children's Bible to start with John 16, verses 13 through 15. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will lead you into all truth. He will not speak of his own words. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. The Spirit of truth will bring glory to me. He will take what I have to say and tell it to you. All that the Father has is mine. That is why I said that the Spirit will take what I have to say and tell it to you. So we have the Holy Spirit, who Jesus just gave him a name called the Spirit of truth. He has many different things that he is the spirit of truth. He's also our intercessor, our standby, our advocate, and there's quite a few things that he has in his description. But he is the spirit of the living God that's been given to us. And Jesus was preparing his disciples by, you know, saying stuff like this in lieu of his departure. His departure was right on the horizon. And so he's saying, be of good cheer, because he's already taught them in Matthew 24 about these last days and all this error being out there and, and misinformation and everything like this. But the spirit of truth cuts right through that. And so here, you know, we see Jesus is assuring people that are listening to him uh, back in that day and age that don't have to live when we are living right now and we have a grace to live right now that God has given us. We were born for such a time as this. Um, you see, the one story that we have all been dominated by in just about every news organization and all the algorithms since the beginning of 2020, even back as far as the latter part of 2019, was the coronavirus or COVID-19. And various variants, various variants, excuse me, various variants, that's a, a mouthful, Various variants has come on the scene afterwards, like Omicron that's going on right now, and um, Delta and things like this, and then the vaccines, and then the mandates, and we're going to get into all this stuff and just kind of like throw it out there and 
take a look at what's been pushing and shoving uh, us in the middle of our society that we live in in the 21st century. See, obviously, this news doesn't need much explanation if any of us have been paying attention to all of the things that are being said in the buzz. You see, in fact, as a result of this one story, we have seen people labeled, locked down, masked up, scared into submission, sent to ventilators, jabbed, shamed without being jabbed, bullied, blamed, and ultimately proven wrong on every turn. It doesn't matter which side we reside on regarding all the issues surrounding this virus. It doesn't matter which way you voted. It doesn't matter if you even voted at all. It doesn't matter if you're male or female. It doesn't matter if you got any other problems in gender identity. We are wrong. Everyone's wrong, ultimately. The stories always point toward an intelligent, mutating form of attack, always changing and shifting and always one step ahead of us. And that's what we're given. That's what we're fed from the news feeds. Now, before we continue, we want to state clearly and honestly that these present days, I'm giving, giving it another plug here, these present days are devoted, written, spoken articles that bring forth a side of the stories we're all hearing about daily, a side that isn't being acknowledged or given a voice. And that side is God's truth. And I know that you're going to say, well, everybody's got biases. And I have biases too. And what I'm going to try to do is to stay as close as possible to God's truth. And if I am being honest with myself and I'm speaking to you and in the middle of all the stuff that I'm sharing and information that I'm pushing out there rings a bell inside of me, I'm going to stop in the middle of it and say, hey, this, we got to look at this differently. we got to, we got to handle this differently. You see, we want here at The Unusual Place, we want to encourage all of our readers and listeners to remove any bias that they identify toward any of the topics addressed in this exchange for the adaptation of understand, excuse me, adoption of understanding that we adapt to the understanding that comes our way that maybe, just maybe, we aren't as right about all this stuff as we thought we were. Because we all have opinions right now, whether you're on one side of the needle, the other side of the needle, or in between. We all have opinions. And <laughs> my dad said a long time ago about people in their opinions, he said they're like, and I'm, I'm trying to keep it clean in polite society as I'm speaking right now, they're like you're, you're behind a hole. Everybody's got them and they all stink. And so opinions are opinions, you know, so I'm not going to opine. And I'm not going to try to go on with my opinion and opine away. I'm going to try to give you facts, you know, from the Bible. I'm not going to pretend to be a scientist. Uh, I can quote the people that are trying to play scientists and people that even have a degree in science, you know, that are misinforming us, you know, for other reasons, a lot of them unknown to anybody, but those that are involved with them. Because just a simple person, just simple thinking from the very start of this, when masks became popular and everybody started masking up and putting bandanas on, I put bandanas on to go inside of a store and shop. I put bandanas on. 
And I know full well, because I didn't take microbiology. I didn't take any science classes or medical classes. I'm not a pre-med student anywhere. I know from enough that I had, I had biology, I had kinesiology, I took some, you know, psychology, I, I minored in psychology, majored in sociology, and I could take some, th some things like this that I've heard along the way, that I know a virus is so minuscule, it can go right straight through the cloth mask that we put on. I mean, unless you got an N95, you know, like the special, you know, virus blocking thing, which hardly anybody did because they didn't have them. They were, you know, remember that? When there was a big panic because the storage houses weren't replenished after the last emergency that we had in this country, and they all blamed the present administration and all this kind of thing that went on. But listen, we, to be able to go shop, to be able to go into certain places, we put a, a piece of cloth across our face and walked in there and complied a little bit. You know, but we know full well we're not stupid we know full well that it wasn't working to block any viruses. If I sneeze through my mask, that means I might cut back maybe 10% of all of the things that came out when I sneezed that you would have got 100% if I didn't have the mask on, and vice versa. So, so we may not be as right, because people think that they have a right to yell and scream at people in a supermarket about put your mask on and make a big stink about it and want to fight them over it. And it's like they could, they could, I saw this one thing where a person took their underwear off and put it over their head and around their face and they let them in the store. I mean, it's like, come on, man. Stupid. You see, this understanding, hopefully in this discussion right now, will give us the freedom to hear what God is saying in the middle of all of this stuff. According to Botanica Online, a virus is an infectious agent of small size and simple composition that can multiply only in living cells of animals, plants, or bacteria. On top of this, we all know by now, anyway, that a virus cannot reproduce itself. It must find a cell host to take over for reproduction to happen. Out of all of the evil that Satan has done over the course of, hu of humankind's history, murder, deviant, perversions, etc. Every single horrendous act inspired by him is the actual result of lies. Now, by saying it that way, I'm not saying that it's a lie that you got molested. It's a lie that you got disease or it's a lie that anybody murdered you. No, what I'm saying is that it's a byproduct of the father of lies. John 8, New American Standard Bible says it like this. You are of your father, the devil, and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he tells a lie, he speaks from his own because he is a liar and the father of lies. You see, you've got to look at it like this. In the Old Testament, it says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. When you're by yourself and you're bearing witness of yourself, like in John 5, they accused Jesus of, of coming into their religious ceremonies and stuff and proclaiming all these things about the kingdom of God. They, were, they proclaimed that he was crazy. He was mad. He's out of his mind. You know, they, and he proclaimed he's getting what he's saying from his father God. And he says, that, and they said to him that you're lying. And he said, no, I'm speaking the truth because my father, this is John chapter 5, 
bears witness with what I'm saying because I'm only saying what he gave me to say. In other words, he said it first. So in the mouth of two or three witnesses, so you can see how we're developing a certain platform to see how the enemy is able to do his killing, stealing, and destroying. You see that? That's what we just got through reading. That the devil, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And he has no truth in him. And he has no one to validate what he's lying about unless he can get you to sign off on it. Unless he can, can persuade you, convince you, deceive you into buying it. You see, he has no one to validate or confirm him, so he can't establish his negative, evil, destructive words in the realm of flesh and blood unless we speak in alignment with what he's saying. Now, he could be saying you know, things not by verbal communication, but by body language. Your body's under attack. You didn't hear nothing in your ears. You didn't even hear it in your mind. The devil isn't whispering, I got you now. I'm going to kill you with this hangnail. No. The devil is attacking you. That's communicating something to you, that your body is fighting off a disease, a sickness, and you're doing everything you know to do to fight it off. And if you're a Christian, you pray somewhere along the line in there. If you're a militant Christian that knows his rights and authority, you're going to stand and you're going to go on the attack and you're going to fight him off. If you don't have that kind of understanding of the Bible, of the authority that we've been given in the name of Jesus and what Jesus accomplished on the cross, well, then you're going to be a little bit short on weaponry to go up against it. And so you're probably going to you know, have to get yourself some help. And that's what you reach for. You see, listen, I'm not advocating overnight drop everything that you're used to using in life to stay alive and to keep being productive and effective. What I'm saying, though, is that we as Christians are so unique to the world. We're, we're, we're a, a, a brand new species. All things have have passed away. Behold, all has become new, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians uh, 5.17. And so what we have to, or excuse me, 4.17, what we have to understand is that when we get attacked by the devil and we're really hurting and we pull the sheets up over our head and we lay in bed and drink water and fluid and orange juice or whatever, and we're hunkering down, we have a right to stand on our position in the body of Christ as a child of God, as under Jesus' authority, as a recipient of Jesus' victory, of a healthy person that has a certificate called the Bible that declares you a clean bill of health, and we have a right to stand up for that and to not give in and put our mouth or go and put our actions behind what the enemy has done to us. Because like I said just a minute ago, he can communicate without even opening his mouth. He can communicate by stealing or killing or destroying. And so if your health is under attack and being destroyed, 
you know that he's there for a reason because you got something to destroy. You got something to, to take. And so we have to make a stand. We have to decide based upon that what to do next. You see, it's easy to understand that he's a liar, but equally and simultaneously necessary for the lie to have longevity. It requires someone to believe it. Like a virus needs a host. If the virus can't find a host, the virus dies. You know, it's a funny thing. The virus has a mind of its own, it seems like. It's so diabolical. It's so supernatural that the virus is killing the body off and the virus is going to die as soon as the body dies, too. If the, if, if the virus is cancer, cancer is a virus, you know that. If the virus kills the body, the virus that was in that body doesn't jump over onto another body. Not in that, kind, not in that case. It's not contagious like that. It killed itself. It's suicidal. It brought itself down to nothing. So it's maniacal, and it's destructive, and it's nothing to be trifled with. And so it requires to have a host. And so think about that just for a moment. A lie is just a story until someone believes it as truth. It began, of course, with Eve in Eden and has been the method of Satan ever since. He stays really close to what works. Acts 10.38 says this about Jesus. You know of Jesus. The New American Standard Bible says it like this. You know of Jesus, of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And so he's talking about Jesus of Nazareth. That's a name for his humanity. You see, God didn't come from Nazareth. God created the world, which Nazareth is a part of the world. And so let's talk about the humanity side of Jesus. Let's talk about the Son of God. Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him. You see, if he's walking around as God, why would God have to anoint God? Because he laid aside all of his divine rights and privileges and took, took the form of a man to identify and relate to us. And so God had to anoint him with the Holy Spirit, with power, because he was going to go about moving within the midst of society, running into lepers, running into people that have cancer and heart disease and diabetes and diabetes and leukemia and people that have all the known diseases of, of, of the human race. And it says he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. The devil got credit for all of that. For God was with him. Well, if he's God, why would God have to be with himself? I mean, that's an oxymoron. No, it's because he emptied himself and humbled himself and showed us the way to walk this thing out. And so this is being recorded in the book of Acts because they're re rehearsing what they had seen previously in the four Gospels, in following Jesus around and giving up their lives to be his disciples. And then later in the book of Acts, it's the Acts of the disciples, you know, going out and, and advancing the kingdom. And so this is, you know, coming about when, you know, Peter was the head of the church on the earth, that the church started in Jerusalem with 120 people 
in the upper room, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, as the Holy Spirit rocked the building and the people were saved and born again and filled with the Spirit. They went out in the streets and thousands of more people came into the kingdom and they went about you know, doing good and healing all the people that they came across. Even the shadow off of Peter healed people. And so then Peter is reciting, do we know this is how Jesus walked? This is what he did when he was on the earth. Because God took a prototype. He mixed himself with humanity, with flesh and blood, so that he could save mankind and go to the cross for mankind, with mankind's sin, and to set mankind free. And then to endow mankind with the Holy Spirit, because he instructed them to wait until you receive power, in Acts 2, in verse 4. Wait until you receive power. It says on the day of Pentecost, they're all in one accord in the upper room. And all of a sudden, a rushing mighty wind filled the, the room that they're staying in and filled everybody with the Holy Spirit. Now, we encourage every one of our readers, listeners, to put this to the test. All that hellacious, or that, excuse me, all the hellacious acts from the beginning to now can be traced back to a singular decision made by an individual person, often multiplied by many. started right there in the Garden of Eden when Eve decided to go against what God told Adam and Eve to not do. And they went ahead and put themselves in positions of deciding what's right for them and what's wrong for them. And God said, no, that belongs to me. And God is still saying that today. That belongs to him. That's why we've got to look at the Bible as not just 66 books of, that were written by a bunch of people that believed in the same God that we believe in, and they wrote it down as best as they could tell. No, the Word of God is the breath of God, because the Bible says that all Scripture is God-breathed, and so breathed out by, by the inspiration that came upon holy men and prophets and his followers that they recorded it. And the Bible has to become, to you and me, the reference point of how we live our lives. We don't, we don't want to have our lives tossed to and fro, hither and thither by the winds of change and by all kinds of, of uh, deceitfulness and lies that are being perpetrated by men that are groping for the light. They're groping in darkness for the light. We need to recognize the illumination that the Word of God brings us and walk in the light of that. And what I mean by that is that by walking in the light of it means you take it from the pages and you put it into action. You live by it. It's a standard for our lifestyle. So, to believe a lie as though it were the truth, <laughs> that is the mistake that so many people in the body of Christ are doing along with those that don't even know Christ, that don't even know God. To believe a lie as though it were the truth. Is it the truth that you have been diagnosed with sickness and disease? No. Is it true that you have been diagnosed with sickness and disease? Yes, possibly. In other words, I'm saying possibly because if it applies to you, because I'm speaking to people and they're listening right now, and I want you to assess yourself 
and think about it for a minute and ponder it. Because there's a big difference between what is true and what is truth. Truth is unchanging. True is your truth. And your truth is a popular phrase that's been, that's been politicized lately, talking about you speak truth to power, speak your truth. There's no such thing as your truth. That's your perspective. Your perspective isn't the truth because the truth is infallible. Your perspective is different than the guy that was standing right next to you and the person across the street that saw the same car wreck that you two guys saw and the same person that was in the car and what they saw. All of them are going to have different renditions of it, different renditions of the truth. No, it's not the truth. It's what's true to them. It's a perspective. And I appreciate people's perspectives. And their perspectives and the true-to-life situations I'm not denying that. We're not saying that you, they, that doesn't exist. you got to go la, 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 don't listen. No. You can look straight at that and see that there is natural evidence by fallen man in a fallen world of something that says something about your situation that you don't like. But it is not the truth. It'll never be the truth. You can't make it the truth. You can't turn it into the truth, but you can make it true if you agree with it. If you subject yourselves and acquiesce and accept it, then it'll be true, but it'll never be the truth. You see, God's got the market cornered on truth. The Bible is truth. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. The Bible says that Jesus the living word came into a human body that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, glory of the only begotten, full of grace and guess what? Truth. See, that's it. With this understanding as our guide, we can apply this to everything else. For this particular article that I'm speaking about right now today, we want to focus on all things pandemic. As followers of Jesus, we fortunately have access to the truth by which we can hold anything up to as a lie detector and reveal the truth. So let's start with Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. I'm just going to read it to you again. New King James. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace, or to bring about peace for us, was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. In other translations say we were healed, putting it in the past tense, because it is a past tense act. And so, this will be our scripture for all things dealing with sickness, affliction, pain, everything else mentioned in the verses above. The result of which every time is healing, every, excuse me, the result of which every time is healing. Let's stop right there and understand just what this means, that it is, it's measured up against what God says about our healing that took place years before we ever, we ever were born, we ever were created, that we were healed, and we stepped into a human body as a baby. We haven't even 
learned to think straight yet, haven't learned to speak any kind of a language yet, and yet we became a human being. And so Jesus died for all human beings. Jesus removed the curse for all human beings. Jesus healed all human beings. And then we grow up and we don't hear about that until maybe, hopefully, when we got saved and we went to a good church and they taught about it, and then we realized it, and then we can apply it. But it was right all the time. It was the truth all the time, even though we didn't know it. Mm. Now, we have three things going on in these scriptures that we can ascertain immediately. These scriptures point toward healing as a solvent for everything being addressed. Number two, we see what Jesus did. He was wounded and bruised. Number three, we see what this covers for us, sickness, pains, afflictions, offenses, wrongdoing, punishment. Healing is for all of it. This was predetermined and spoken of hundreds of years before Jesus ever showed up. And this was also reiterated with Jesus as the one whom these words apply after he came, such as in 1 Peter 2, 22-24. Let me read that for you real quick. From the New American Standard Version again. 1 Peter 2, 22-24 says, He who committed no sin was was, excuse me, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth. And while being abusively insulted, he did not, he did not insult in return. While suffering, he did not threaten, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. And he himself brought our, brought our sins in his body up on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness, righteousness by his wounds, you were healed. See the past tense there? That also appears in Matthew 8, 17. In both the Old and New Testament, we can see that this is mentioned for us that are followers of God, believers in Jesus, that have the Holy Spirit, that have a covenant that we've entered into with God Almighty, that Jesus took care of not only our physical health, but also all things tied to sin, including lies. This, by way of the grace of God, in the gift of Jesus, is the answer to all things against us. Remember that things against us don't have a chance, unless, of course, we give it the chance. Mm. Because, you see, Isaiah 54, verse 17 says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Well, how does it prosper then in some cases? Because you allowed it to prosper. But no weapon formed, no weapon formed, doesn't matter what it's called, what name it has, there's a name that's above every name, the name of Jesus. And in that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess to his lordship, to the glory of God the Father. And so, if no weapon formed against us shall prosper, and it is looking like it's prospering, we better double down and hold fast to this word that is not supposed to prosper and to command it to stop prospering and to pull the plug on it prospering because we're not in agreement with it even having any place to occupy in our physical bodies. You see, oftentimes, we at the unusual place even are asked what we think about the vaccination. We have seen many examples of 
Christian and the Christianity, excuse me, and the church and leaders globally taking a stance that suggests a form of compliance with the science and what it dictates as they are revealed, of course. And there are even some countries that require full vaccinations in order to enter their borders. So we know that regardless of what some of these leaders say, that sounds quite impartial. They have had to comply in order to travel. Our TUP collective response to this basically is the same. Where's the threat? I'll say that again. Where's the threat? Hmm. Really, after reading these scriptures, where is the threat? Do you believe these scriptures? Well, then where is the threat? Are these scriptures truth? Well, then where is the threat? Now, this is not said in a naive, out-of-touch-with-reality sort of way. We ask this question because this is one of the most of those moments in our lives when we need to get this right. We need to understand something about the Bible and the words that Jesus spoke. We must know what the truth is. You see, many people that we've asked regarding their objection to vaccines and even masks or any form of compliance relating to the pandemic have said very similar things, reasons like, I trust God, or my body, my choice, or even multiple quotes taken straight out of the book, out of, out of the books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. These have been sufficient reasons for numerous well-intended people until they have been challenged on those very same reasons. The social world around us is equally intent on making sure that we hear about, or about the loudest voices against these mandates, who tragically were diagnosed with COVID-19 or are related to someone who was, and were forced to adopt the same treatments as everyone else. Some have made it through to tell a new story of how incredible hospitals and their staff are while preaching a new message about getting vaccinated and protecting each other, as well as some who didn't make it. Some people like a young man named Stephen, Stephen Harmon, who mocked and carelessly spoke about his belief and trusting God to protect him. He died hooked up to a ventilator in July of 2021, prompting his church, Hillsong of Los Angeles, to become clear about their stance on vaccinations. Uh, they are proudly for it. Stephen Harmon is a tragic story. Stephen Harmon was standing on what he knew what was in the Bible. I don't know the rest of the story. I just know, I don't know, the, I'd never met the man. I never talked to anybody that knew him or what went on in the latter stages of his fight. Uh, way, the way that the people that are pushing the mandates, that are pushing all the dictates, that are pushing all the fear-mongering, that are pushing all this, they use stuff like this as a poster child to back up what they're saying. And it's heartbreaking. It really is. I've heard stories of pastors that uh, were against it from the pulpit and refused to get the jab. And all the while, their whole family was inoculated. 
and got the vaccination, and they refused to, and they died in the hospital. And then now their families are being interviewed, supposedly. I'm not sure if the stories are even true, because we know that there's a lot of things going on that in this world isn't nice, in the area of information and misinformation. And so they're pushing that out there. They're pushing it out there because they're trying to round up everybody. You understand that? And so let me just speculate for a second. I have the right to speculate. It could be that this Stephen Harmon, as I referred to, that he stood his ground. He was adamant about the scriptures, believed that he's healed. He didn't want the jab. And the symptoms were getting worse. And it was getting harder and harder to fight. And his family and people that he knew that were that love him and care about him were crying out to him to, to get help. And possibly he one of two things could have happened. He got help. He got help. And, and, and I'm not saying that this is what happened. I'm speculating. Or he didn't get help. He wrote it out to the very end, but his faith was undermined because of the heartbreak that was going on inside of him because of the people that he was hurting because of his stance, that they were crying out to him, and then he lost. Because when you're going into this and you're under attack and and even talking about putting you on ventilators and stuff like this, you have got to be ready to go through all the stages of where you're going to feel bad about fighting, bad about standing, because everybody's worried for you, worried and anxious and, and, and heart heartbreaking over you just seeing you go through the symptoms and they're just begging you and begging you. And so that many times, can end up tragic. I'm not saying that's what happened here. I'm saying that could possibly be one of the things. I have seen that in person with people that I know and people that I know that have gone on to be with Jesus. See, this together with everything the New Testament has to say about health, healing, and our rights by way of Jesus and the sacrifice of his life for us and, of course, a clear revelation of just what this means for us will truly be our weaponry against any form of attack. You see, we have got to be bolstered and bolted down in the Word of God way before the symptoms of the first sign of an attack show up. You can't just scramble at the last second. I'm not saying that this man did. I'm not saying that anybody out there that I'm speaking to did. I'm just saying you can't. You've got to live this stuff. I've seen too many myself not live this stuff until it got serious. And they're not here anymore. They doubled down. They tripled down. They tried to bone up on all the things they should know. And they started to, to confess this. And confess, and you're mid Listen, listen, listen. I've been in the water. I've been in the water. When the shark is circling you with that dead eye looking at you for its next meal, and it's circling you, and the circle's getting tighter. I've been there. I'm talking literally. I've been there. And fighting a, 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 a disease 
that you're using scriptures is a death-defying act. Just like somebody on a high wire, you know, that's several hundred feet above the ground and there's a crowd down below. That's a death-defying act. And you better be good. And you better be... Not that it depends on your performance in the sense that you're your own savior. No, you better be good in the sense that you've gotten everything out of the way and it's just you and Jesus and you keep it real simple and that you're not going to let anything distract you. You're not going to let anything uh, steal from you what God gave you. Just like you wouldn't let anybody steal your belief in Jesus even if things didn't work out right. You would hold that all the way to your death like the martyrs in the Bible did and the martyrs throughout history have done. That they would never renounce Jesus. But they lived for him and they died for him. But what I'm saying is that there's certain things that Jesus died for, like sin, that we don't have to die for. You don't have to die for your own sins. And sickness and disease was put right up there on the cross next to sin. And just like nobody's going to talk us out of our belief in Jesus and to take our salvation from us, nobody should take our healing from us. We've got to stand our ground just as much. And even if it breaks the family up, because salvation has done that. One person gets saved and nobody else in the house is saved and they start witnessing to everybody in the house and nobody wants to hear them and they don't like what they're hearing and they, they can't stand to be around you anymore and they don't want you to ever mention your, your belief or your religion anymore and it, and it breaks the family up. But do you destroy your religion away, your belief in Jesus away? No. You pray them people in. Yeah. You see, what this means is that we have every right to proclaim the truth during an attack, until the threat is gone. It also means that the same rules don't apply to us. In other words, no matter what is going around, we're not being threatened by anything because Jesus took and removed everything that would try to stop us or, sh or slow us down. We are, getting, we are getting a chance to demonstrate what we believe, what we believe and what we know to be truth. Are we getting this yet? COVID, although it exists, does not have the power against the truth because anything that is not health and wholeness is a lie. It seems like someone in the back still isn't clear about this. Don't worry, we aren't finished yet. Nearly everyone on our team has been hit, some harder than others, with COVID-19. I'm going to say that again. Nearly everyone on our team has been hit, some harder than others, with COVID-19. We aren't masking up as often as we should. We aren't social distancing as strictly as we're told to. And none of us are vaccinated. Anyone shocked? We all have an understanding of virus behavior. We all are well aware that viruses are actually RNA or DNA. Yes, that's right. The very thing that makes us as individual as we can get. When we understand this very small but very important fact about a virus, we get a better picture, a bigger picture than when we previously 
what we previously had. It makes us ask a pretty important question. If RNA and DNA, which is very specific to identity, is the very thing that is that is attacking us, whose identity is at the other end? We know that when we are saved through the blood of Jesus, we become a new creation with everything moving forward considered as new. 2 Corinthians 5.17, I'm going to say that scripture once again. If anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Other translators say all things have become new. All things mean all things. Your RNA and DNA, which has become new. And so the, the DNA of a virus on that level is satanic DNA. It's destructive DNA. It's lying DNA that tries to inflict and adapt our DNA to it. And we got to stand because our, we got to stand against it because our new RNA and DNA is impenetrable. It's impenetrable. It's divine in its origin. That's where its identity comes from. And so this is a very esoteric concept, sort of a level, and we agree by faith we gra- that we grab a hold of this truth with our whole heart. But what does it mean on a manifestation reality sort of level? For this concept to be true, For us, on a natural level, it has to involve new DNA and RNA, divine DNA and RNA, like I just mentioned. This would be be the only way, naturally speaking, that we would be immune to the virus and the various diseases that they produce. So what would give us this new identity on a body level? We mentioned it earlier, Isaiah 53, 5. And by his stripes, we are healed. It's the stripes or the wounds of Jesus that in order for us to have total healing and continued health must override our birth RNA and DNA in order for us on a body level to become that new creation. So how are we doing so far? Listen, we get it. This is a lot to digest. This understanding requires us to adopt and adapt to a fantasy-like version of Grey's Anatomy. Not the show, the actual medical book. As it turns out, however, God has given us our own version of Grey's medical book hundreds of years before anatomy ever became a word. The Bible is a shameless plug for a new teaching series called Earthlings that's going to be put out on the DKMLF a website, and the staff will be sharing more about our temple, the human body, and its functions and purposes as set out by God. We recommend checking it out, and we're going to give you more information as we go along. It'll help us understand the connection that we are just briefly glossing over in this particular podcast. As for us at TUP, the unusual place, here is what we know. Every single time any one of us have been attacked, by any sickness, we have gotten results that always end up with health. It doesn't always happen immediately, though sometimes it does, and there are many 
moments during our day when we must continuously remind ourselves and our bodies what the truth is. We use the armory that God has given us in a real life way, like Ephesians chapter 6, verses 14 through 20. Stand therefore, having done all to stand, having, your, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one that are aimed at your mind and your thinking, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me, Paul says, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. In a sense, all of the news stories that continue with the pandemic have become an awakening within the hearts of God's people. For us, we're saddened by the exposure that has been revealed by the fear of, or the compliance of, or the adaptation of, and of course, the surrendering to this pandemic and all that it encompasses. In other words, it's been a real eye-opener. It's been a real revelation of where we're at as the body of Christ, as a church. I mean, they were shutting churches down for God's sake and saying that they're non-essential. You know why they're non-essential? Because nobody was praying for the sick and seeing supernatural signs, wonders, and miracles anymore, were they? Or not on a very large level. And so the case couldn't be made for being essential in the middle of a pandemic. Are we not a people set apart? This is not something we are merely serious about. It is something that means everything. As followers of Jesus, this is a moment when we are revealed as his alone or continue with the mixture of ourselves plus God that we have collectively adapted to over time. Satan is out stealing, killing, and destroying. He, he's out doing this solely by way of a virus? Or could another method of, of his be to convince us that we don't actually have the ability to claim what is ours already, and that we finally see that we need not ask for something that God has already given us. If we truly got it, we must defend it. No matter what the next variant is titled or how it behaves, no matter how many times we're asked to cover our face in order to shop at a grocery store, no matter what the future brings our way, the rules don't apply to us. We are our chosen people who are saved from all things not God by grace with, with the same authority that Jesus had while he walked this soil and we are thankful and humbled as we navigate the same waves of uncertainty as everyone else, confident in what we know. And that is, in one word, truth. Thank you for tuning in to this audio podcast, and till next time that we get together in these present days.